an off-day edition of Locked On Phoenix Suns, looking at the best season of DeAndre Ayton's career. Yeah, that's right. It's this one. Talk about trade season as things heat up a little bit more, and which players on the Suns are untouchable in that trade season. All of that's coming up right away on Locked On Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean, covering the Suns the past five seasons as a credentialed media member. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single day. We're on YouTube. Rachel is getting her um, towel, her We Are the Valley towel. Um, we have another one at 750 YouTube subscribers. We will have another one. Not a towel, though. The great Kelly Oubre at 1,000 subscribers. So thank you guys for the support over there. We are also, of course, on every audio platform, Spotify, Google, uh, Apple, whichever one you use, we are there. That's the best way to support the show, which means you're already doing the best thing you can do to support the show by being here and joining me today. You can follow us at LockedOnPHXSuns on Twitter if you do not already, or me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. That's the best way to keep up with each and every show, or we'll hang out during games. I tweet because I'm a crazy person during every single game, so that will be over there. And that's what we do, and that's what we will do again today. So thank you again for making Locked on Suns your first listen. Today's show is brought to you by Truebill, the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need. Truebill can even negotiate better deals on the ones you want to keep. Coming off of DeAndre Ayton's incredible game in an overtime win in Portland, 28 points, 13 rebounds, and maybe the most impressive stat of all of those is the 45 minutes. To reiterate, this is a guy who Jared Greenberg during the TNT broadcast reported lost 10 pounds due to his struggle dealing with the flu while he was out. It was just listed as a non-COVID illness, but he did miss quite a bit of time with it. So not entirely surprising that it was rough, but 10 pounds is insane. And to come back right away, we found out that Chris Paul had a pretty uh, heart-to-heart conversation with DA on the way back from, or on the way from Los Angeles to Portland after the Clippers game when the Suns lost by double digits, where Aiton said, I'm going to play and I'm going to be ready, and ready he was. So it's a perfect day to talk about DeAndre Aiton's season. I mean... I talked last week about it a little bit with Damon Allred on our Player Grades show, which I would definitely recommend checking out. We hit the the top line stats on all of the different Suns players and Monty Williams in that show, but there's way more to get to. So here's the thing. Here's the thing with DeAndre Ayton. Um, I'll say again that he, him breaking out and him being the guy that takes a little bit of a leap in terms of responsibility and productivity this season is a big surprise to me. I definitely would have said it would be Mikhail Bridges. I definitely would have even said we might see more of a jump from Cameron Johnson. You could have convinced me. I I, might have put eight in third in my who's going to break out on the Suns power rankings heading into the season, truly. Not because of anything that I thought about Aiton, though obviously you guys know that I, I do have my struggles with buying in on him all the way. 
He's convincing me every single day, though, so don't worry. I am, I'm, I'm converting to the Church of DA slowly but surely. It wasn't even about that, though. It was about, well, I just think that in the NBA, perimeter talent wins out. And if you have a guy like Bridges or even like Johnson who can push defenses at all three levels as a scorer, that's always going to be more valuable. And I just thought, you know, those guys breaking out was more likely. I thought Devin Booker taking another step was going to happen. That has happened. I just didn't feel like there was necessarily more room for Aiton to grow with what we know about him as a player and what we knew of the role that he was going to be asked to fill. I just didn't know how much room there was, the the difference between where he was and where this team was going to let him be just by how they play on offense. I didn't think there was that much space there. There is, and he has filled it this season. Not only is he bouncing back to pre-Chris Paul trade levels in terms of usage, his usage is back up where it was during his first couple of seasons as opposed to the low 16% that it was last season, which was in the bottom half among NBA big men, but he is also producing at a higher level with that. So it's not just that he's getting those opportunities and being quote-unquote fed like many like to uh, want him to be. It's that he's actually doing something when he gets the ball and when he does get those opportunities. Uh, More to the point, a couple of things that we're seeing, because last night was an encapsulation of all of it. I said it last night, I still think that was the most Amari Stoudemire game we've ever seen. It also reminded me a little bit of Blake Griffin, and I think that's probably coming from the amount of the repetition we saw between the, the Paul and Griffin pick and roll over the years and the way that that Aiton is diversifying what he's able to do because there is a ceiling for him with some of the skills that he's flashed that are I'm good I mean I don't know if he'll be Stoudemire as a scorer that's a really high bar but certainly a more versatile offensive player is is within his path which is why the Blake thing came to mind and here's what I mean we saw Aiton last night do all three of the things that a big man kind of can do in the pick and roll as the the catcher, the the screen and catcher in those situations. You can score uh, by just laying it up or dunking it, and that's the easiest way. You can score in that intermediate area by putting the ball on the floor, maybe getting to a little bit of a tougher shot, or you can create an opportunity for your teammates. We saw Aiton do all three, and he's been doing all three All year long, last night was just the biggest, baddest version of it that we have seen. His assist rate is up from last year. It is growing. It's a place that I always thought Aiton would be better than he has been, and maybe he's finally growing into that. His assist rate, mind you, is still far lower than it was his first two seasons when he had the ball in his hands a lot more, but it's definitely also higher than last year when he hardly ever did. He also is taking more shots from the short mid-range area. So this really jumped out to me. Last season, only 28, so just over a quarter of his shots, 28% came in that short mid-range area, which think of that as outside the restricted area, but um, <clears throat> inside the free throw line, basically non, non-restricted non area paint shots. 40% of his shot attempts this year are coming from that place. So up from 28 to all the way to 40% of his shots are coming there. Now, some of those have come at the expense of rim attempts, but I think that's okay because when you go to the accuracy on those shots, he is making 
47% of those short mid-range shots, which is about what he was at last season. So he's taking more, but it's not hurting his efficiency. And then although he's taking less rim shots, he's making an unreal proportion of them. I was highlighting this last week with Damon when we did our grades. It's even higher than it was then. I believe it was at 80% or 81% when we talked last week. It's actually up to 82% this season. That puts him in the top 3% of all NBA big men. Higher than Rudy Gobert has ever finished for a full season. Higher than Rudy Gobert is finishing this season, which is actually his best season. So honestly, genuinely an unprecedented type of efficiency inside for DeAndre Ayton and we're seeing that impact everywhere I mean the defense to me has been about the same I would say the main area where I've seen the defense grow maybe you could say just in terms of processing information and executing different schemes we saw that last night as well going from the drop to the blitz to uh, you know defending at the level getting a hand in Damian Lillard's face but not quite blitzing all those different things Aiton's able to cycle through those and execute them at a high level better than he used to be but the offense is just coming along so 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 well and it's becoming more consistent it's becoming more powerful and forceful like we have always wanted to see and uh, it's a sight to behold and I was dead wrong I was dead wrong that he would be the guy to continue to have to sacrifice I do think he's showing us there's there's something a meal to be eaten for him as well and I'm excited to continue to watch it that brings us to an interesting idea here because trade season is officially open well I guess it's unofficially open here on December 15th when I'm recording this now that most of the NBA's players can be dealt. And it brings me to the idea of this team gelling and coalescing and bringing the best out of its individual pieces. Who do you deal? Who can you actually trade and feel comfortable with as we do head into what is bound to be a pretty busy trade season for the NBA? What can the Suns actually look at here and be comfortable dealing? We'll talk about all that in just a second. First, though... You've been hearing me tell you about prize picks for months. Have you signed up yet? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. If you've not checked it out, you're missing out. You're going to love this app for NBA and mixed spots. Pick'ems, the Christmas Day games, are going to be off the charts, not only in the NBA, but in the NFL. Cardinals Colts highlighting that day, and we have sports, more sports, and more sports coming. So, prize picks is the best place to be. The best NBA daily fantasy prop game on the market. It offers more NBA props than any other operator and offers all of the superstars as well as the bench players across all sports. That's right. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points to assists to touchdown throws to rushing yards. You can cross sports. That's right. All of our listeners on the Locked On Network can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 when you use the promo code NBA. And here's how the game works. Pick two to five players across any sport Pick the over or the under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. That's right. You're not competing against a pool, against a league, against an opponent. It's you against those over-under spreads for an individual statistical category and you don't even have to fill out a whole lineup. So let's say you want over on Kyler Murray rushing yards and you want over on DeAndre Ayton points. Well, that's your lineup for the week. Set it. Let the games play out and let that cash roll in. Don't forget to use the promo code NBA for that 100% instant instant deposit match up to $100. That's doubling your money at prizepicks.com or on the PrizePicks app. Today's show, we'll have another sponsor in just a second. I'm teasing. We are back here. 
it is time to lay out the trade options for the Suns. I have a couple things there just to refresh everybody's memory. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. There will be trades. There will be ramifications. There will be ripple effects. I will be here for you every step of the way. But I want to say one or two things about who the Suns can trade and and what the the options are here for them because I think that stuff can get confusing sometimes and I don't want people to be mistaken. It's been a long time since I said this on this show because I, maybe I screwed up, but I think it never made a lot of sense to me, but I do think people are confused about it. David Nash was reiterating this on Twitter as well this week. The Suns can, can, C-A-N, trade a first round pick this season if they so desire. They had a pick or they have a pick this season that will in all likelihood be owed to the Oklahoma City Thunder but the way that the protections were drawn by likely Trevor Buckstein in the Suns front office those protections last for a long time so it seems at first glance like okay they can't trade that pick because we don't know when it will convey well we do in some ways know when it will convey because it will convey the year that it conveys and then you can trade another pick that says hey whenever that one is do it two years later because you can't trade back-to-back first-round picks, but you can trade picks into the future without any issues. So you would just say, it would be written into the code, the legalese of this deal, hey, this first-round pick will be going out, and the way that it will be going out is that it will be two years after the pick we already owe to Oklahoma City leaves our hands. And that'll be that. You can do that, and you you will see the Suns potentially be able to do that. Um, whether it is now between now and the deadline or maybe on draft night of next year, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely have that option with this Suns team. So with that said, I also just want to reiterate too, they can trade Dario Saric. I don't know if people wonder about that, but I just want to say it. They can. He's hurt, but they can. It would just be a depleted version of his trade value because, well, the team that gets him doesn't know if they're going to be able to actually have him in their rotation at all. So those two things out of the way. What I wanted to get to is who do you actually want to or feel comfortable trading if you're the Suns? And I would love to hear your guys' feedback as well. Put them in the comments below. Let me know on Twitter. Let me know wherever you want. But the way I see it is Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, these are two guys who I think heading into the season... And just because of the the nature of them both being very valuable players, I think it's easy. it was easy to toss them into our trade machine experimentation or talk about them as guys who were chips that the Suns could use. I'm already, like, hating myself for using that type of language. James Jones would never... Uh, He would never allow me to use that type of talk around him, but he's not listening, so that's all right. Those guys were those types of players, though, right? They were players that we thought could be dealt. Where I'm going with this is I don't feel like you can do that anymore. And the reason that I say that, understanding that Cameron Johnson is going to be eligible for an extension next offseason, the clock will begin to tick on him. Jay Crowder is... uh, after this season will be an expiring contract, will be on an expiring contract. I get all of those reasons. But as a continuation of what I was saying about DeAndre Ayton and the way that 
He is finding ways to affect the game in the same ways as he, pre as he previously did, but just doing so at a higher level and with a little bit more versatility. That's true. That's possible because this team fits together and plays better than the sum of its parts so incredibly well. And the fact that that is proving to be the number one reason and the number one way in which they're getting better and, and increasing their chances at a title makes me feel like you can't jeopardize that. And I, I mean, there, there are just so, and we'll talk about maybe one or two of these in the next segment when I really get into the weeds on the, on the options that the Suns might have via trade, two particular candidates at the, you know, all-star or just below level that I think the Suns may at least have a conversation about. You have to be so high caliber in, ter in terms of the type of player that you're targeting. And I just don't think one is available. Maybe Pascal Siakam changes that. But even then, I don't think Cameron Johnson and Jay Crowder is getting it done. It's just hard to put together a package for a player that I think you could reasonably get for Crowder and Johnson who makes it worth jeopardizing that cohesion. And so my point is, I think it's worth rolling things over with Cam Johnson, waiting on that extension and knowing it's looming and, and no, not knowing if you're necessarily going to be able to pay him because I don't think the options this season are, are, are all that good and I don't think that they're good enough in terms of improving what you look like to do something like that. So that a first round pick, sure. Jalen Smith, of course. Abdul Nader even, who is making a little bit more than a minimum, gives you a little bit of flexibility there. Um, sure, of course, any of the minimum players as well. Second round picks, go for it. I don't think any of that's off limits, but I would not touch Johnson and I would not touch Crowder. Last point here, because it's, it's interesting. So Cameron Johnson, I, I would say for the most part, a lot of us would agree he's probably having the best season of his career, certainly the healthiest and most consistent season of his career here in year three. He is averaging a career high in points. He is shooting a career high from deep um, and playing a pretty big role. Most minutes per game of his career too. If you go to this handy tool that I like to look at, which is 538's uh, player projections tool, and you type Cameron Johnson in, he... They do this thing where they put the five-year market value. If you guys were listening back when we were talking about extensions for Bridges and Aiton, I talked about this a lot. And uh, the five-year market value for Cameron Johnson, courtesy of 538, is $42 million. You might be thinking that's low, and you would be right. He That, that number, eight point something annually, that's lower, 8.4 or something like that annually. That's lower than the mid-level exception. That's less than Jay Crowder is making right now. That's a player that is, according to this particular metric, incredibly replaceable. Now, there's a pretty big gap between the bottom and the top. Of course, he could hit higher than that. I'm not saying that is what he's going to be, but I also think the fact that he's 24 weighs against him when metrics like these are trying to grade what he might be. They also have the 10 most comparable players and what's funny to me is number one is James Jones. 2006 James Jones is number the number one comparison that 538 is making. Some other options, maybe a little bit more recent to jog your memory here. Davis Bertans, 2018, that's like the first year he really broke out. Markeef Moore, or I'm sorry, um, I think it's actually Marcus Morris, which is a good one. I think that would be a nice outcome for Cam Johnson. He's a much better shooter in terms of volume and versatility on that shot. But if he became Marcus Morris, great. However, this is 
Celtics Marcus Morris, I think is what it's, what it's comparing him to, not the current version on the Clippers, but you know, still a pretty great player. Darrell Wright, the early Warriors, early, early Steph Curry Warriors, Darrell Wright. But these are all very much three-point specialists. These numbers don't think that he is expanding his game quickly enough to really project that it's going to be all that versatile. So that in mind as well, I, I guess I just want to hold out because I think there's more to Cameron Johnson's game, but the reality is the numbers don't necessarily bear that out. So unless you're finding a team that really buys into his continued growth, you know, you're probably selling low on Cam Johnson, which means you're not going to get what you necessarily want to get by trading him anyway. Kind of like I was saying, I don't think a Pascal Siakam or an all-star like that, I don't think Cameron Johnson's enough. So if he's not enough to get you the superstar and he's good enough that you want to keep him in place and keep seeing what you have, well, I don't really think there's a trade there anyway. So that's kind of the place that I'm coming from on those two guys, Crowder and Johnson. But that brings us to the other side of a potential deal who the Suns might target and whether they will get in on two current all-stars who are in the news. I'll talk about that in just one second. First though, quick word from Truebill. Another quick word from Truebill. And you know what they do. They save you from corporate scams. That's that's the gist of it. That's the most important part. Don't let those greedy corporations pocket your money by letting those free quote unquote Free trials renew without your consent. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or maybe just forgot about. People on average save up to $720 per year with Truebill, and it's pretty easy. Truebill makes it incredibly simple to cancel those subscriptions. Just link your account. Truebill will cancel the unwanted subscriptions in one tap, and your Truebill concierge will also peruse your subscriptions when you aren't even logged in just to let you know, hey, you might not be using this one and it will ask you if you want to cancel it anyway. Truebill has over 2 million users and helped save them over $100 million already. So don't fall for subscription cams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. That's all one word. Go right now. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. That's Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. This week, of course, reason we're talking about it here has been dominated by talk of NBA trades. Want to talk about two guys in particular at the forward position who are likely to be available and who are likely to catch the attention of Suns fans. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single morning. YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you are, we are there too. Check us out, subscribe so you don't miss a thing. That's the best way to support the show. So thank you to those of you who already do. And for those of you who don't, hit that subscribe button. It definitely helps us out a lot. The two players that I'm talking about, as you probably could surmise already, Jeremy Grant and DeMontis Sabonis. So I feel very differently about these two players because they're very different players. So let's start with Sabonis. The news on him came out first, and I recommend... I recommend in general the open floor pod over at Sports Illustrated. Uh, Michael Pina is one of the best at this and a great host over there. He brought up the idea of DeMontis Sabonis with the Suns. He said it would potentially propel them to championship favorites status. And I'm not sure I can get there with Michael. However, I do, I do think it's interesting and it's worth talking about because he's... I think the, the obvious reason to make the case for 
just being interested in Sabonis beside before we ever would get to an actual deal is he fits how the Suns want to play on offense really, really well. He's a player who can shoot the three, but isn't really necessarily best doing that. I mean, he's just a sort of an awesome Dario Saric, right? I mean, he's a better rebounder, I think, than Saric. He is a better post scorer than Saric, and he's, you know, pretty great at the same things that Saric is pretty great at in terms of passing, having that ability to work in space, having the two-man game ability in the pick and roll, that stuff. So that's the obvious reason. The obvious against him, though, is that his defense is not very good, and he's more of a center than he is a four. He's already been in a system with Miles Turner where they didn't really work together because there just wasn't always enough space. They didn't really complement each other, and things got uncomfortable. That's why they're in the position that they're in of, of wanting to maybe blow things up a little bit. So that brings me down to the likely no side, and that's because of the defense. I mean, the, the basically the way that, that Michael set it up, the, the way that I've seen a lot of Suns fans set it up is, well, what if he is he's your backup center and he's your four in matchups where you want to go big? That could be the Warriors with Draymond Green, you know, in certain lineups with him and another big man, whether that's Looney or James Wiseman. Okay, it makes some sense. Uh, maybe the Lakers, if they go big with AD and another center, although they don't really do that as much anymore. I get that idea, right? I don't think that, I mean, you're talking about a really big luxury type of player for the level of package that I'm sure the Pacers want back. So I, any way that I look at it, I don't quite get what he's doing in terms of how much he would cost to really take you to another level as a team. Because I think at the end of the day, he's probably not going to be closing games for you in the playoffs. And he may not even be that big of a part of your rotation in the playoffs if Aiton is again playing 40 or so minutes, because then there's not even a lot of backup center minutes to go around and you still got JaVale McGee to figure out. So I don't really get that one. I don't think it makes a ton of sense. I don't think it helps the team that much. Jeremy Grant, though, is interesting to me because I I kind of feel like he's a better... I might be underrating DeMontis Sabonis, unfortunately. I might... I, this sounds like this... I already feel like I'm disrespecting the guy, but I feel like Grant is a more ready-made playoff player than Sabonis, so he interests me more. He also fits more of a position of need and a style of need for the Suns for obvious reasons. He would be a, a guy who could easily slide into that Torrey Craig rotation spot. He could take Abdul Nader's minutes. He could take Frank Kaminsky's minutes. He could take every forward minute that doesn't belong to Johnson Bridges and Crowder and eat them all up. And he probably would even take some of those guys' minutes because he's that good. The issue with me on that one is... I feel like Detroit will want quite a bit because they just signed him. He's playing really well. He's exceeded expectations there and they're rebuilding. So they're going to want to they're going to want to drive up the bidding on him and get really something good out of that deal. Otherwise, there's no incentive to move him. They have him for one more year under contract. But the reason I think it is interesting is he's pretty perfect for how the Suns want to play. I mean, He's a scorer. He can get it. He can get his own basket. He can shoot. I mean, he can make threes and he could defend at a pretty high level. I mean, you'd have to be built. You'd have to be buying into the fact that he could go back to the type of player that he was with Denver, you know, and Oklahoma City as a defensive player, more so than what he's been in Detroit, where he hasn't really had to defend and he hasn't really been effective when he 
has, you know, been defending. It just hasn't. So you're kind of hoping for a best of both worlds situation with him where he, he can flash a little bit more of an off the bounce game as a scorer, create his own shot a little bit like he has been doing with the Pistons, but also go back to being the defensive guy that he was in Oklahoma City and in Denver. I think that is an easy bet to make, though. I, I think he could do that on a great team when he's really bought in, and I don't think I would worry that much about that at all. So he's a player I would look at pretty closely and, you know, gets me to the the brink of the type of guy I might consider Cam trading Cam Johnson for because he is sort of a borderline all-star type guy. He's probably a step below that in, in his best form, but in terms of productivity, he's been an all-star type guy recently. So that's where I, 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 and because he's so young is the final piece where I would be interested in trading for him. But you're having to stack a lot on top of each other is the other part because Cam doesn't make a lot of money right now. Jalen Smith doesn't make a lot of money right now. You know, I don't think even Sharich, Cam, and Jalen Smith is enough money to make it work. So you're probably getting into both Crowder and Johnson. That is a lot. That's probably not worth it. So I would rank Grant over Sabonis. I would look at Grant a little bit. I think he makes sense here as a player. I don't know if there's a deal to be had. And I keep coming back to, I don't think that it's worth it to shake things up that much. If you can get Thaddeus Young or Daniel House or a player like that with Jalen Smith, you've already obviously decided you're not going to invest in Jalen Smith anymore. So if you can turn that player into something else that's going to be more helpful, who you might be more committed to playing and developing and investing in, then by all means, that makes sense to me. But otherwise, I think it's just buyout. I think you're making a trade for Jalen Smith. You're you're looking at the buyout market. And unless something incredible comes along where you can upgrade your roster at a value that makes sense and a player who you want to actually have and not maybe just have as a rental, I don't I don't think that I don't think we're gonna see the Suns do anything dramatic. Maybe that makes a ton of sense to you guys, because that's how I've seen it for a long time. But I wanted to at least do some due diligence terms of considering turning over every rock and actually thinking through all of that. So thank you for going through that exercise with me. Hopefully that sets off trade season well for you guys. We'll be closing out the week tomorrow with a recap of the Washington Wizards game. I will be there. So I will be coming home and recording right away to give you every single thought that I have about what happens when the Wizards take on the Suns. We'll see how COVID affects that game. We'll see how COVID affects the whole NBA. And hopefully it doesn't hurt the Suns too badly. That's the plan. Talk to you then. Enjoy the game.